Who is this child? Today is the first Advent, and uh, I want to read to you something that I uh, came across today, this morning, and it's a perfect intro to what we're going to be sharing this morning. Um, in fact, I retitled uh, the uh, uh, notes in the live stream to this title called Something Hardly Noticeable by Henry Nouwen. A shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, Isaiah 11, 1-2. Our salvation comes from something small, tender, and vulnerable, something hardly noticeable. God, who is the creator of the universe, comes to us in smallness, weakness, and hiddenness. I need the clicker. I find this a hopeful message. Somehow I keep expecting loud and impressive events to conceive me, or convince me, sorry, uh, to convince me and others of God's saving power. But over and over again, I'm reminded that spectacles, power plays, and big events are the ways of the world. Our temptation is to be distracted by them and made blind to the shoot that shall sprout from the stump. When I have no eyes for the small signs of God's presence, the smile of a baby, the carefree play of children, the words of encouragement and gestures of love offered by friends, I will always remain tempted to despair. The small child of Bethlehem, the unknown young man of Nazareth, the rejected preacher, the naked man of the cross, he asks for my full attention. The work of our salvation takes place in the midst of a world that continues to shout, scream, and overwhelm us with its claims and promises. But the promise is hidden in the shoot that sprouts from the stump, a shoot that hardly anyone notices. Henry Nouwen. This is something we need to really ponder on. I love when he said, this is about, it's, it's not about the big explosive things that are going on. We're distracted by the big world events, the big headlines, the big news items, the distractions of our peace from, peace from our soul. We're distracted with an accident. We're, dis, we're distracted with, with a crisis. And sometimes those crises, if we look close enough, there are small shoots growing out of the pain. And that's where we're supposed to be focusing on. On people, on Christ in those people not on the actual catastrophe, but on how it's affecting individuals. Today we need to pause. And that's what this first Advent candle is all about. Now, I've never, I thought I did, but I looked back uh, yesterday and I looked through all my stuff. I've never talked through uh, or given an explanation really what Advent is, except one sentence, you know, definition of it. Because you tend to you kind of get numb to some of the uh, distractions of the Christmas story. It's like, how can I come up with something new uh, and say it differently? It's really hard sometimes, but today I want to take you through a little bit of what Advent is about, because there's a lot more meaning to it. I'm going to light one candle right now, because this is going to be our, uh, uh, the hope candle, the prophecy candle. So let's uh, get this one lit, and then we have that there, and hopefully I don't swing my arms too much. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you just got that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this candle is a reminder of what Advent is and what 
is it? And here's why I want to bring up the importance of Advent. Um, no, it's not in the Bible. No, it's not something we're told to observe. And yet it has become a very moving and powerful um, uh, remembrance for the Christian church and for all believers. I remember when Hope Fellowship moved into our new location here. Uh, the very first Sunday, we joined the service with the St. James Lutheran Church. When we walked into the sanctuary here, we were kind of awestruck at the, the classic stained glass windows, the large wooden pews, and they had padded seats, pretty cool. Uh, we were uh, amazed at the architecture. We are amazed at the pipe organ, the grand piano, the decor, the high ceiling, the, the, the art that was up at the front of the church the different style of service, the different types of reading, different hymns that we've never heard before. To some, you could say, well, that sounds boring. To others, it would cause us to sit up and, oh, what is all this? Well, that's what I want Advent to be revisited. I want it to be looked at again so that we find meaning in it again. We find meaning in the art. Let's find meaning in the symbols. The uh, Western church has ditched symbols. We've made fun of the Catholic church or Orthodox church or any church that has icons. And we say, no, 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 you guys are worshiping idols. And so we put up a cross, <laughs> worship that. But we get rid of everything else. It's, it's foolishness. And I understand where it comes from. It had an intent at the time, but sometimes the pendulum can swing way, way too far. And we forget the meaning behind the symbols. And I want to take time, and I, you've heard me say this before, let's go back and revisit some of these symbols and restore meaning to them so that we can appreciate them and not kind of, you know, let it roll off the back of our hand and, and not take things seriously when someone talks to us about it. So what is this Advent? In fact, somebody asked me, I think it was Howard in BC uh, who asked me, hey, are you going to talk about what, what is Advent anyway? Well, here we go. What is Advent? The word Advent is derived from the Latin word adventus, meaning coming, which is a translation of the Greek word parousoi. Most, see, isn't that exciting? That's like really, really cool news. Just kidding. Most know Advent today as a time of anticipation and expectation of the birth of Christ. And that's how we've described it. We've described Advent as a, a, a coming of Christ and a, a anticipation. So that's, kind of, that's what we've been saying all along, but there's much more. However, Advent began as early as the 4th and 5th centuries as a time of fasting and prayer for new Christians. Huh, we don't do that at Christmas. We actually do the opposite. We load up extra. <laughs> Funny how that works. The first uh, mention of Advent occurred in the 300s AD at a meeting of church leaders called the Council of Sargossa. It gradually developed into a season that stretched across the month of December, the whole month. Advent lasts for four Sundays leading up to Christmas. So today is the fourth Sunday before Christmas. So it happens to be November. Uh, sometimes it doesn't start till in December. It all depends on when, uh, what day Christmas falls on. The Advent season not only symbolized the waiting for Christ's birth, but also for his final return. And something we've got to remember, and we'll get to it in a minute, but the idea of the first candle being hope, it's about prophecy of looking at the things that were foretold. And the, the Jewish history, the Hebrew history, they've been told this Messiah is coming, but it's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. When is he coming? Is this going to actually really happen? Well, 
we, we're lucky. We get to shrink it into four weeks instead of 400 years. <laughs> so this is kind of a, a, a really neat way to remember one of the most important events in history. God coming, being human, and dwelling among us. During the season of Advent, Christians across the world prepare for the arrival of the Lord into the world. Fine. In fact, I, I, don't, I didn't have time to put a whole bunch of stuff into the screen in the slideshow because it's just way too much info. But when you start to look at how different countries and different um, people groups celebrate Advent, your, your jaw is going to hit the floor and go, wow. And it makes North America look kind of lazy. Okay, a lot lazy. No, really lazy. We don't know how to celebrate properly. There are groups of churches that do. In fact, I'm amazed here at the Lutheran church that we're living in, uh, the work they go to in celebrating Advent and all the intentional readings and the preparation and devotionals for the next 24 days. It's unbelievable. I'm, I'm honestly impressed. Advent is marked by preparations for Christmas and houses decorated, carols sung, cards written, and gifts are planned. So this is like four weeks of intensity. Now some of you crazy people started playing Christmas music as soon as Halloween was over. I have nothing good to say about that right now, but uh, bless your heart if you needed it this year. <laughs> some of you are doing it, it's great. Some even had your tree up. I won't say who, but I think I do know. This Advent wreath is a symbol, and this is kind of what it looks like. Now, I found this picture online because it most resembles the one I saw in the Lutheran Church sanctuary. In fact, if you, if you have a chance to ever go in and see it, it is a beautiful, beautiful, uh, a really tall, tall candle set. Um, really dark blue candles all the way around with the pink, and the white one in the middle with incredible um, art on it. Uh, but that's kind of what the Advent wreath looks like with the, the greenery around the bottom. Um, something that is, uh, each, each thing has meaning. Well, the history of this particular wreath, or having a wreath, uh, is the Advent wreath was first appeared in Germany. Imagine that. Very German, yeah. 1839. A Lutheran minister working at a mission for children created a wreath out of the, out of the wheel of a cart. He placed 20 small red candles and four large white candles inside the ring. The red candles were lit on weekdays, and the four white candles were lit on Sundays. I know growing up in my home, I grew up in a German home, and uh, my parents came from Germany in 1967. I was born in 68, and as long as I knew and can remember as a child, they had this, this Advent wreath hung from the ceiling. There was one little hook above our, our kitchen table and it was only used at Christmas. And they hung a wreath, and we had lit candles, like real candles lit, hanging over top of the food. That's a smart way to do it, by the way, especially if you have a lot of stuff on your table. But uh, it, was, it was really cool. It never fell, um, but it was, it was I, we had that as a kid, but I didn't realize it began in Germany like that. Then we go on to like this. Eventually, the Advent wreath was created of evergreen, symbolizing the everlasting life in the midst of winter, and death as the evergreen is continuously green. That's a great symbolism for Christ. The circle reminds us of God's unending love and the eternal life he makes possible. They're very much like a wedding ring. If you have a wedding ring, if you have a good one, uh, there's, there's no beginning or end to it. And so this is the continuous connection and relationship and promise. In fact, that is a great way to see the wreath as a, uh, a reminder of God's promise that he will never leave us, never forsake us, will always be with us. 
That's kind of a hope we need today, especially for those who are lonely. The Advent wreath is a symbol of the season with a candle lit each of the four Sundays leading up to and on Christmas Day. Some churches light one every day, and like we just saw before, but even in today, I think in Scandinavia, they, they do one every single day and have different colors for the weekdays and, then, and so on. The light of the flickering candle flames remind us of who Jesus is. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, John 1, 4-5. Isn't it interesting that the idea of light plays such a big role for Christmas? First of all, you have the light of the star, the star of David. We have uh, the light of the angels shining bright and, and scaring the daylights out of shepherds and other people, but still praising God and, and declaring peace has come. The good news has come, has arrived. It's not a potential good news. It is an actual now present good news. We as believers need to stop using terms and tones that suggest that you can maybe have peace, but instead declare peace has come. Peace lives in you. Start acting out of what is real, not out of your external fears. Live from peace inside, from the light that is in you. Advent candles are often nestled in the evergreen wreath. Additional decorations like holly and berries are sometimes added. Their red color points ahead to Jesus' sacrifice and death on the cross, shedding his blood for our sins. Again, lots of symbolism. Everything can have a different symbol. Like we've got pine cones in this wreath here. You got the holly stuff, you got, you name it. Like, there's a lot of symbolism. In fact, if you're honest, the scriptures are filled with symbolism. For some reason, the Western church has moved away from symbols and created their own. I think they need to stop and go back and revisit and rediscover a deeper meaning to the symbols of our history and, and wake us all up to that. We might find deeper, better meaning as we move forward. And we can still find new meaning and new symbols. There's nothing wrong with that. There's definitely nothing wrong with that. Pine cones can symbolize the new life that Jesus brings through his suffering, death, and resurrection. You know that when pine, when pine cones uh, uh, fall off and there's a forest fire, they actually open up from the heat and create new life out of tremendous heat and, and disaster. It's, it's crazy. Jesus came in, in that pressure of being crucified, gave us life. Life was in the middle of all that suffering. Families begin lighting a candle on the fourth Sunday before Christmas, and they light another candle each sub subsequent Sunday. Why is it so special to Christians? Well, the circle of the Advent wreath reminds, us, reminds Christians of God's eternal love for us, never-ending. The evergreen leaves on the wreath symbolize growth, life, and hope. We kind of talked about that already, but this is a, taking another step lower. This is about our full growth that when a tree grows, it starts as a tiny little seed and it grows up into a little sprout. In fact, our church symbol, Hope Fellowship's logo, is a seed, sapling, and tree. The journey of growing up into Christ. Well, we got it right here. This is, it's, we get it from Christmas. It's kind of cool. We can live and grow and hope because Jesus came into our world long ago and he continues to come into our lives every day. Advent candles shine brightly in the midst of darkness, symbolizing and reminding us that Jesus came as light into our dark world. 
The candles are often set in a circular advent wreath. Here, oh, I did put this in here. In Scandinavia, Lutheran churches light a candle each day of December. By Christmas, they have 24 candles burning. Another advent candle option is single candle with 24 marks on the side of the candle is lit each day and allowed to melt down to the next day's mark, which is kind of cool. Like, you, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. I wonder how big the candles were. So if you, the biggest one better be first because I know when we do this thing, if, some of you might remember that during our, one of our services, our wreath caught fire. <laughs> Thanks, Jared, if you're watching. Uh, he was watching and he didn't say anything until it was on fire. Thanks a lot, buddy. But anyway, yeah, you gotta watch how it goes down quickly. So you gotta light them a little later. It's kind of funny. The most, uh, most common Advent candle tradition, however, involves four candles around the wreath. A new candle is lit on the four Sundays before Christmas. We've talked about it three times now. Each candle represents something different. Although traditions vary, often the first, second, fourth candles are purple and the third or rose-colored. Um, sometimes all the candles are red. In other traditions, all four candles are blue or white, like the Lutheran church here, which is really cool. It actually looks sharp. Occasionally, a fifth candle is placed in the middle of the wreath and is lit on Christmas Day to celebrate Jesus' birth, the Christ candle. We see the candle right in the middle of this arrangement here. But let's take a look at these candles. What do they all represent? Usually during uh, Advent, I, I talk about each one and light them, but because we're uh, doing this uh, online thing, I'm going to do a quick, or I'm going to talk through all four of them today, and then in the next coming weeks, only touch on them uh, and to remind you of what they are. But to have them all described back to back to back could be helpful in a reminder. I hope this is helpful for you guys, because I think having a, a good history lesson on this uh, helps me find better meaning when I see these candles. So the first candle, the one we lit today, the first candle symbolizes hope. In fact, our church is called Hope Fellowship. I love it. That's a, that's a great title. The prophets of the Old Testament, especially Isaiah, waited in hope for the Messiah's arrival. The purple color symbolizes royalty, repentance, and fasting. This is what the first candle represents. So the, this is saying, when it comes to Christmas, and if you remember the last two weeks, we talked about the big headlines, what, why Jesus' story is so important. Well, this is the Christian history, the Jewish history, the Hebrew history of the coming of the Messiah. All the way back for hundreds and hundreds of years, it's been prophesied he'd be coming. So this is a, an acknowledgement of something that's been prophesied that actually did come and take place. The second candle, it represents faith and it's called the Bethlehem candle. Uh, Micah had foretold that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, which is also the birthplace of King David. The second candle is also purple to symbolize preparation for the coming king, royalty, the color of purple. That's what the second candle is. There's another name for it. I'm trying to think of what it is um, besides faith. I'm, I gotta remember what it is. Anyway, you'll, I'll correct it next Sunday, but there's another one. Uh, I think it's love. It might even be love. I'm not sure, but we'll get there. Um, the third candle symbolizes joy, and it's called the shepherd's candle. To the shepherd's great joy, the angels announced that Jesus came from humble, un, uh, came for humble, unimportant people like them too. In liturgy, the color rose signifies joy. This candle is colored pink to represent joyfulness and rejoicing. Did you notice I made those candles yellow? But that's all right. Oops, too bad. It's three. That's why I put it on three. But anyway, that's the idea that the, the shepherds were normal folks. And this is who Jesus came for. He didn't come for the elite. It's funny when 
royalty from another or somebody important comes from another country, they come and meet all the dignitaries of the new country they're visiting. They don't meet normal folks necessarily. They don't go into McDonald's and greet all the, all the people working the counter. They, they don't go through drive-through. They don't stop by the city worker's office and, hey, let, let's chat with the custodians. It, none of that. They, they meet what supposedly are important people. Well, Jesus turned the head on that. He said, no. I'm going to, in fact, in fact, I want you guys to announce to shepherds who people see as the lowliest and those are the first ones that were told of this Messiah. That's kind of cool. The fourth candle represents peace. It's called the angel's candle. The angels announced that Jesus came to bring peace. He came to bring people close to God and each other all over again. He brought reconciliation, all right? The color is also purple to represent the accumulation of love through the Messiah. See the gold candle's not purple, but anyway. I, don't, I know somebody's going to razz me on that. That's why I'm telling you already. I see it, got it done. The fifth candle, the most important, represents light and purity, and it's called the Christ candle. It is placed in the middle, and it's lit on Christmas Day. The candle is white to represent pure light and victory. This is a really, really important way to, to see all this. I think uh, the Christ candle is, well, it's, it's the whole reason for the season. Uh, going to church is not the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for the season. And I think when we start to demand our rights, that we must put Christ back in Christmas while well, he was never removed from Christmas. Let's stop fighting about those dumb things. Let's be the love of God to others. Let's be light to one another. Let's be what the candles are supposed to represent. Peace, care, humility, gentleness. We can all learn from this. Next slide, please. This idea of the first candle is a reminder of who our hope is in. This next video clip is just that. It's going to draw our attention to who our hope is and remind us of what Advent, the first Advent, is all about. Oh yeah, video time. <laughs> yep. I forgot to tell you.
there you have it, hope. I hope that in the next, for the next week, we take time to contemplate, to think through what Christmas is about, what Advent is about. If you've never thought through what Advent is or didn't bother to think, you know what, that's an old church tradition. Maybe quietly between you and God, you can revisit it and find a deeper meaning. And each week as the candle name changes, there's a new emphasis. Find hope. What a better idea to keep our eyes focused on Jesus in these next four weeks than on all the other news and the headlines and the news stories, newspaper, you name it. The COVID fears. You know what? COVID, <laughs> while it is real, it does not run our lives because our real life is found in Christ, not in a crisis. And if you're getting anxious, it means you're focusing on the wrong thing. I invite you today to focus on hope. Light a candle in the center of your table. You don't have to have a wreath. Put four candles out, any color, who cares? Light one and begin to remember. At dinner time, light a candle. It brings calm to the family, by the way. And just remember, it's a great tradition. It's a great way to teach one another how to focus on light instead of darkness. Heavenly Father, I pray that you be our light to us. And yes, you're in us. I get that. Yes, your light is in us. But the awareness of you is not always there. So please summon from deep within us an awakening that shakes us to a place of, oh, there you are, I see you now. May we wake up and have our eyes on you, that we don't let the circumstances control us while they're unpleasant. They don't control our attitudes. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.